Hey, strangers, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I am Krista, and with me is always clever Kurt. <laughs> Thank it's not you. A, it's not as good as yours. Thank you. I just went with alliteration. Alliteration <laughs> is always good. It is good. How are you, Kurt? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. We're both tired. We discussed that on the yeah. on the ride here. Yeah. Woke up at 3.30. I think I was Still up. up. <laughs> I, was a- I actually slept till 5.30 this morning, Dang. which is like super late for me. Yeah, that's crazy. Like my cat was tapping me with her paw to see if she could start eating <laughs> me yet. If I'm, yeah. <laughs> we drove through um, rain, fog, and sunshine to get here today and floods. <laughs> it's it's it flooding was, here. Yeah, it's flooding really bad. It's crazy. It was just funny that it was like cloudy and like pouring rain. Then all of a sudden it was just like super, super bright. bright. We we thought maybe a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> you know, if it was like the day it was after. just the sun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it was kind of, the weather's been crazy here. <sighs> but last time I think we were bitching about it being like cold and snowstorms. Mm-hmm. And today it is almost 60. It's like between 50 and 60 and it I is. It's 44, but you know. Oh. What's well, 10 degrees? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And everything's uh, melting. And It feels 60, okay? It's been negative 50 yeah. for a while. Yeah. It's just yeah. so weird that... Our snowbank outside our window went down, that's It's gone, sure. so that's good. Yeah. Now, people well, can can look, now people can look in here again when they drive by, they can which they do. Peep at us. Yep. They always look at us. We get, yeah, we get dirty looks from other people who use our um, building. So, yeah, but and it's like... That's cool. I'll give them a pressed fruit bowl against the window next time <laughs> we do that. I'm sure that won't elicit any dirty looks. <laughs> Since most of them are kids. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so. We have shout outs. We only have two new strangers members. That's disappointing. So stuff is dwindling. We I gotta, mean, we're, we're excited to have you, but yeah, we usually have at least five or six. Yeah, we got to do something to boost our listeners again. What was that about a fruit bowl? Maybe <laughs> that'll press, do it. Press fruit bowl? <laughs> sure. Probably not. Probably not. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so want to give a huge shout out to our newest strangers, Bernard Schoenberg and Kim Buckholtz. We got a really nice email from Bernard, which oh, yeah. was awesome. And he's a fellow Wisconsinite, so yes. our accents probably hey, aren't Bernard. weird to him. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you listened to the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. And he suggested a couple topics that I penciled into our ever-growing list of topics that people... them in? So they're subject no, to get they're erased? Penned. They're penned. <laughs> they're penned in? Okay, good. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even think I have a pencil at home. It's just a pen. But Great. other than that, I don't think we really have any housekeeping. We need an intern. We need an intern. Someone needs to take notes. Somebody needs to give us notes before... You know, we need to... It's like when a newscaster goes on and somebody slips some notes. We need a teleprompter. We need a t- <laughs> that's what we need is a teleprompter. Oh, God. Well, I'm not that good at multitasking, to no, be honest with you. We'll work on that. And anything they put on there, I will read out loud, so it could be disastrous. <laughs> yeah, especially who, whoever gets control of it. Have you watched Anchorman? <laughs> No, I've never seen Anchorman. Are really, oh, you haven't? No, I'm not a Will Ferrell. I'm not fan. a Will Ferrell fan. I'm not like a comedy fan. <sighs> yeah, I'm they're, just weird they're that nonsense way. Nonsense movies, but they're yeah. really funny. I'm just weird. With Paul that Rudd stuff. is really funny too. Like I think we talked about this in another episode. Like I liked the American Pie movies. At least the first one was like dirty, but it was cute. Yeah. You know, at at heart, it was cute. So sure. I and I of like, course, what's her face from Buffy was in there. Yes, Allison Hannigan. Yep. Yep. But I don't know if I like her as much as her. I liked her as Willow on Buffy. Oh, sure. But I never watched like How I Met Your Mother or anything like that. No, me neither. I haven't been watching much of anything lately. This is funny. What? <laughs> We're talking about TV shows. <laughs> We're really into the passage. 
my husband and I. It's is that good? T- yeah, it's a show that we didn't think we'd get into, and we just watched the season finale, which kind of was a what? So I should maybe check it's that a out. Total vampire movie, TV show, I guess you could. I say. still watch The Curse of Oak Island, Walking we Dead. We keep stumbling across that, and I keep saying, I, "Is it on Netflix?" I don't know because I want to get caught up so I can actually watch that show. I don't know, but uh, Jim was like. The show's about mining. What do you care about mining? And it's I'm not, like, you have no idea what no, the show's about. No, it's about, about. looking for buried treasure. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. My good friend Luke that listens to the podcast watches that show too. So and like he brings up the same stuff that Corey brings up too, is that everybody makes fun of the narrator. Oh, I think Corey I said that. he'd want to come on if we did an Oak Island episode. So oh, I think we'll cool. probably do one in the near future because it should. is really interesting. Yeah. But it's been like you know eight seasons that the show has been on and they find like a nail and stuff like that so (laughs) a crushed can a crushed can that's funny but yeah other than that i just haven't been doing much of anything Hmm. yeah life's boring you're a hermit i'm you actually have a good social life though not way more than i do i went out last week it was a lady i work with it was her birthday so we went to a Mexican restaurant. Oh, I and, saw the photos, yes. Yeah, and I didn't eat. I just stopped in for a drink. I had something called a Mercedes Margarita that mm. has Patron tequila in it and Grand Marnier, and it's a margarita. And I don't know what happened. I had one, and <laughs> oh, I was so drunk. <laughs> really? Yeah, like badly drunk. Wow, how'd you and, get home? Yeah. Kurt! Well, I didn't, I didn't... Oh, my God. La, 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 la. Yeah, I didn't plan on it, so... It's just, I don't know what happened. Like, uh, my good friend Nikki, she listens to the podcast. Hi, Nikki. She Hi, stopped Nikki. by last night and, and we pounded a beer because she was doing something else at the time. So she just, she just stopped in and we pounded like a beer. Like you shotgunned it or what? Not shotgunned it, but drank it <laughs> relatively quickly. Yeah. Like, I want to say like in the space of 10 minutes. Oh, that's and pretty fast. once again, I was tipsy. <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's just the getting older thing and I'm becoming such a lightweight or if it's that okay. I don't really drink anymore, but that margarita, holy cow. Hmm. I was lit. That's like tequila come on that's yeah kind of hardcore yeah so hmm. all right kurt's a lightweight <laughs> i am a lightweight if we ever have a if we're ever after a, school yeah, if we're ever at a, if we're ever at a convention or something like that don't buy me drinks because <laughs> we're doing shots i'll <laughs> be up there we'll be dancing you on know, a table yeah <laughs> let me tell you something else about that bet sphere <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no mm. no drinks for this guy I think it's just getting older thing. I think I'm just... It could be. I'm a total lightweight, too. Yeah. Half a glass of wine, and I'm all pink in the face. And... Yeah. We'll have to have a contest party with the strange sessions. <laughs> we can pass out first. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. That's all that's right. our housekeeping, I guess. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Well, speaking of food, do you want to... Should we move on to our taste test? Yeah. So, this week's taste test, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, I posted a photo of an awesome care package, as I like to call it, that Bridget sent us. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Bridget. And it had this mix, and I have to actually look at the photo to see what the kind, what the mix is, because I You had to bake it at remember. home, though. You baked it at home last I night. I did. You just had to add water, though, um, and bake it. And I will say, I took some liberties in how I formed it. It gave instructions on how to form the biscuits to bake them, but I've made lots of biscuits, so I just went with my own way of doing it, and I cooked them in a cast iron pan. Wow. Or bake them in a cast iron pan. So I'm excited. And she also sent us two little mini um, jars of jam that I think must be from... She went on a wine tour. Yeah, I think um, she did. So I think that's what they're from. So do you want to open those? Sure. And I'll pop the... We got to nuke these for like a minute or two. No, not a minute or two. I'm sorry. Probably like 
10 seconds yeah, don't even do a to minute. get the <laughs> don't do two minutes <laughs> the liquefier it'll just be like a rock <laughs> I did take a picture of... The container. Take a picture of your biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded way dirtier than it was supposed to. I did take a picture of them straight out of the oven in the pan, so yeah. I'll post that. Send me a biscuit picture. <laughs> You're so, okay, Krista's got them out of the microwave. Yep. And they, the jams are, I believe it's a Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yep. And a Merlot. Yes. And this smells really good. It does. My mouth is watering. So, ready? Ready. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is really good. Mm. Wow. The biscuit has a lot of flavor. The a biscuit, lot of times, biscuits don't have a lot of flavor. No, the biscuit is really good. This jam is amazing. Yeah. Though. This is my dinner, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Okay, I'm gonna What's try the name the of the one. brand of biscuit? I have to look in the picture. Let me look. Mm. Yeah, not fishy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I can zoom in enough to get the name. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I can't even. Bridget's going to have to respond to this and tell us what the like the brand name is because I can't even see it. It was bad. Bad move on my part. All right, I'm going to try the other one. The Sauvignon Blanc. I got the biscuit mix. Mm. I got it in the picture you sent me. Okay. Mm. It is from Big Bottom Market. Oh, it's that's what it is. Big yeah. Bottom Market biscuit mix from Guerneville, California. Mm. It's really good. It is really good. That is like a perfect biscuit. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Not dry. Nope. Mm. It's like super flaky. Which jam do you like better? Um, I like the Merlot. They're both delicious, oh, but the Merlot I like is this one better. really good. You like I like, the, yep, yep. The Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Yeah. Mm. Yum. Oh, this is well, a that's nice. perfect, because you can take that one home, and I'll take the Merlot. This is a nice break from anything that mm-hmm. tastes like fish. I would have to agree. Oh, thank, thank you so you, much, Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. She also sent us two postcards from Bodega Bay, and I got an awesome bird's t-shirt oh, as in the movie these would be amazing with just butter on them mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. my preferred biscuit eating method is with butter butter gets a little melty mm-hmm. this is so good <laughs> it is we're just gonna eat yep because there's no way this is just gonna sit here uneaten mm-hmm. and kurt has some leftover biscuits to take home thank you oh my god mm-hmm. that's good I let my husband have one last night. Everybody seemed to really like our pop rocks in the last episode. <laughs> I was got laughing a lot of com- hysterically. Got, I, I got a lot of Facebook messages about that. When I listened back, I was laughing so hard. Oh, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Yum. Mm. Finally, a not disgusting taste test. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't forget, I still have a dessert for us to try. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that jam. Oh, thank you so much, Bridget. Those are amazing biscuits. Yeah. All right. Hang on, I got biscuit crumbs on my laptop. <laughs> hey, it's a hazard of the job. It is. It comes with the territory. Oh, thank you so much, Bridget. The Big Bottom biscuits were f- 
awesome. Yes, they were. <laughs> I almost swore. They were awesome. So thank you very much. <laughs> They're worth a swear word. They're worth a swear word. Mm-hmm. But I pulled back last second. Um. So you brought us dessert, huh? I don't know how you could top what we just had. No, it's not going to top what we just okay. had. And it's not technically a taste test because I know I've had this before and I have a funny feeling you've had it before. But okay. I was walking through the aisles at Walmart waiting for you to pick me up and I picked it up for us. Okay. It is, you might even know kind of what it is from the brand name. Mountain House is the brand name. Hmm. No. Freeze-dried ice cream <gasps> sandwich for I've camping. I've never had that. Seriously, it's, I used to have these a lot. Ooh, let me take a picture. Yeah, it's a freeze-dried packaged like, ice cream sandwich that's meant for camping or astronauts to eat. I was going to say it's like astronaut food. Yeah, it is basically astronaut food. So it's just basically a freeze-dried ice cream sandwich that you just open it up and eat like it is. Exciting. Oh, those biscuits are we so good. We should have d- had this for our Moon Mysteries episode. <laughs> I showed up for the astronauts. I didn't even think of that. I should start like t- trying to tie in the... Am I opening this one? Yeah. Anytime would... there's a tear yeah. thing, I know it's going to be smooth. I should have tried like tying in what we were eating with the subject. Like today could have been pea soup. Oh. Well, Ew. Well, no. you, know, you know what it's referring to. Yes, I do. Ooh. Look at that. <laughs> So how are we going to just snap just bust, it in half? Snap it in half. Yeah, it's weird that when it, you know, it's weird that it's just dry. It I mean, it's looks, just a dry. It doesn't, it looks It looks frozen. like an ice cream. It looks like a frozen ice cream it's sandwich, so but it's not. It's freeze dried. I have to take a picture of this too. I'm so excited to see what this is going to taste like. I really would have swore that you had one already. No. So I'm kind of surprised that you did. Okay. Ready? Ready for our freeze dried ice cream I'm bar? Ready. Let's go. Wow. Mmm. Mmm. Right? That's yummy. Mmm. That's really good. Yeah, it's weird that it's, you know, you expect it to be like a frozen ice cream mm-hmm. bar, and it's not. Wow. No brain freeze. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. Wow, so we ate good tonight. We tonight did. was a good night. No tonight fish. wasn't a clunker. Wow. You got that at Walmart? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. In the in the camping section. They also had like freeze-dried uh, beef stew and freeze-dried uh, chicken. Did you just add water to it though? Yeah, you had boiling water to it. <laughs> I wouldn't do that with the... No. Mmm. <laughs> My husband would like this, I think. Mm-hmm. He loves ice cream sandwiches. Oh, God. I love ice cream sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was delicious. Unexpected. Mm-hmm. I would say the flavor is really intense too. It kind mm-hmm. of intensifies the flavor. It's just weird because you, it's like an ice cream bar, but you expect your brain expects it to be cold, and it's not cold and soft. Yeah, it's not. Hmm. No, it's good. I liked it. Okay, we got to rate the biscuits. Mm. <laughs> biscuits. I'm gonna give out of ten. I'm gonna give a ten. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they were excellent. I mean, they were amazing. And the, the jams were also a ten. Absolutely. And the ice cream bar. Uh, nine. Yeah. Because we can't top the biscuits. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so, sorry, guys. This wasn't a clunker. clunker I highly recommend. Yeah, I know you guys enjoyed those more, but. <laughs> we need this, a break this sometimes. This was for our enjoyment. <laughs> so good. Oh, wow. my God. This was a good taste test. Holy yeah, cow. very good. Speaking of pea soup, <laughs> what's our topic for today, buddy? Our topic for tonight is possession and exorcism. Yes. So... We, it's been a while since we had like a paranormal one, mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of hard because some people really like the conspiracy stuff and don't like the paranormal stuff. Some people really like the paranormal stuff and don't like the conspiracy stuff. So we got to kind of try to mix it up a little bit totally. with, with everything. So We happen to like it all. So. We ha- yeah, we do. We're easy like that. So <laughs> Easy like Sunday morning. Tonight, uh, tonight's topic is possession and exorcism. And we are going to start out with this sound clip. Oh, man. And this might traumatize you. I'm just saying. I, I think Barry's heard this, right? I don't remember. The thing is that I found this on a message board back when I started, I think back when we just started getting into ghost hunting. And that's like, what, 10, 12 years ago? Something like 15 that. years ago. It was a long time ago. And there was a message board. I don't remember if it was Taps or I think Ghost Theory was another one that I used to go on back in the day. But I used to belong to a bunch of ghost hunting message boards. And one of them, somebody had a thread like, what was your craziest or most frightening experience on an investigation? And somebody posted this sound clip and said this was from one of their investigations. So it was somebody from the group. Yeah, but I can't verify that because it's 15 years old. And I don't remember the... I think the group's name is actually in the ID tag on the thing. And it was Ghost something or other. Okay. And I tried looking (laughs) it up. I tried looking it up, but there's like a bunch (laughs) of different ones with that name. So it's like... uh, So it's like, I don't... I really think this is legit. I mean... It, when you, I think it would be really hard to fake yeah, this, but... Yeah. And the thing is, this is just one of the clips. There's like four different cameras going at the same time, or four different recorders going at the same time. There's like a camera recorder, a closet recorder. So there's a couple different recorders, which... My wife found that funny, but... <laughs> which... The closet recorder. Yeah. You have never put a recorder in a closet on an investigation? <laughs> in a closet? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. And uh, so I don't think this is fake. I think this is legit. But I remember the first time I listened to it, at first you're like, what am I listening to? It sounds like a ghost. Inve- if you've ever listened to or gone through your audio from a ghost investigation, this, this sounds exactly like yep. it. People like muttering in the background, people walking around. So I'm listening Lots to this and I'm, like, and I'm like, what am I listening to? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's interesting. The first S- time I listened to it, as soon as it got real, I stopped it. Yeah. I, I was, think I listened I to it alone. at night the first time, yeah. and I'm like, nope. I think I was alone at night, and I was like, I, I'm going to have to come back to this at another time, because yeah. I can't listen to it right now. <laughs> yep. I got the chills, and yeah. I, I finally, just because the idea of what is potentially happening is so yeah. terrifying to me, yeah. Um, that I, yeah, I finally did finish it eventually. And I've, So that's all the detail we're going to give you. This yeah. is just, I think they put it on the board and said this happened to one of their investigators during a investigation. investigation. So again, we have no way to verify it. Yeah, again, it, we're not, I'm not vouching for this. I do think it's real, but it's, it's so long ago that I don't remember where it came from or whatever, but I, I've had it all these years because I was right. really, really intrigued with this. So without any further ado, here's our introduction to our possession and exorcism topic. Okay. Jennifer. 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 Jennifer.
So there's that. Yeah, as you can hear uh, during the clip, one of the investigators. It sounds like they Jennifer. start. Yeah, like they start breathing really heavy, like, like really panting. heavy, and something is wrong. And you can hear the people kind of react. The fact that there's something wrong, and then that laughing starts from the investigator that's apparently possessed. I mean, how deep her yeah. voice gets is yeah. so disturbing to me. Yeah. And I think that what le- kind of makes this feel so legitimate is the way everybody around her is reacting yeah. to like it. And like I said, they this, are terrified. This sounds like uh, audio from a ghost investigation. Yeah. Just, be, just the way it's it's recorded and stuff. I don't think it's fake. I think it's really from a ghost investigation. Well, and how could it not be? I mean, why would they have so many different camera? I, the only the only thing I could think of is that was maybe it was like something from a movie or somebody was filming something for a movie. But the oh, group put it up and said this right? was a legit. Hmm thing from their investigation that one lady who is saying jennifer she she sounds like she's about to cry yeah like she's so terrified and when the one at the end is saying get out she yeah. sounds like we got to get the hell out of here yeah. something's not right yeah so whatever happened i got the chills listening yeah. to it all over again <laughs> I just i'll never forget listening to it the oh. first time at night and i'm like well that was a dumb idea listen to that <laughs> I mean, I'm going to hear that, this in Muslim. That clip freaked me out for quite a while yeah, because me too. Uh, we've it's... talked about this that you and I have this yeah. weird possession fear. fear that we don't ever want that. I don't want to be around anyone who's possessed no, either. That's no, that freaks me, me out almost as much as oh. the idea of me being possessed. But that's what happened on that investigation. And we figured that was a good introduction to yeah. the episode about possession because we've talked about that clip amongst ourselves for years. quite often. Mm-hmm. So, pretty creepy. Yeah. So. Here we go. All right. I'm ready. A 2012 public policy polling survey. Survey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. A survey. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> okay. like That's what I sounded like after that margarita. <laughs> Let me tell you about this survey. <laughs> no. A 2012 public policy polling survey showed that 63% of Americans 18 to 29 years old believe in the notion that demons can take partial or total control of human beings. 63% is kind of a, a, a lot. lot. That surprised me that it was that high. The survey also showed this belief is growing rather than declining among the American population. So Do more think... and more people are starting to believe in demonic possession. Well, and I think that religion plays a big part in oh, that. Yeah. And one of the biggest yeah. religions out there is Catholicism. Yeah. And Catholicism is yep. one of the only religions that it recognizes possession as a real yeah. thing. Yeah, but as we'll talk about, a lot of well, not like, one almost only, every religion but... has like an exorcism portion of, of it where kind. there's there's methods that they do to 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 force a demon to to flee a host body okay so it's like it's like there's bits and pieces of it in almost every religion but catholicism is the one that's really embraced the idea of exorcisms and possession yeah as most of us know possession refers to the idea of demons or ghosts or something inhabiting our body and mind giving them the ability to change our personalities influence our decisions or even take us over and control us The oldest references to demonic possession are from the ancient Sumerians who believed that all diseases of the body and mind were caused by, quote, sickness demons called Gidim, G-I-D-D-I-M, Gidim. 
Get them. Get them. Prayers to certain gods asking for protection from demons, while others ask the gods to expel the demons that have invaded their bodies. So basically, the idea of possession has been around since the start of recorded history. Stories of demon possession in the Middle Ages often had a focus on women being possessed. This may stem from the perceived weakness of women and their susceptibility to temptation as Eve was tempted by Satan in the Garden of Eden. It's kind of a jerky attitude, but Misogynist. Almost every religion throughout history has had some notion of possession, whether it's taking in a deity's spirit or ridding the body, mind, and soul of bad spirits. The idea that invading spirits are inherently evil is largely a Judeo-Christian concept. Many religions and belief systems accept possession by both good and evil entities for short periods of time as an uncommon but not alarming aspect of spiritual life. New Age religions have also long embraced a form of possession called channeling in which spirits of the dead are said to inhabit a medium's body and communicate through them. There are hundreds of books and even some symphonies that have been allegedly composed by spirits through possession. And that's symphonies, true. Symphonies, really? Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the older musicians believe that their symphonies and stuff were created through Hell something yeah. coming through them. Hmm. Whether, in most cases, it's like a good, yeah, you know, it's not a demonic possession, but in most Spiritual. cases, it's a good spirit mm-hmm. that's coming through and creating the stuff. The cult of Dionysus in ancient Greece actually induced voluntary possession by the gods through the use of wine and sexual rites. So they were all about being possessed. I mean, they that was like part of their thing was that the wine and sexual rites would increase your ability to be possessed. Hmm. So they did that on purpose in order to become possessed. The Bible's account of the life of Jesus features several possession stories, and the Gospels portray demons as spirits opposed to God that haunt, possess, or tempt people into evil. In the Gospel of Luke, for example, a boy is possessed by a demon that makes him foam at the mouth and experience violent spasms. Jesus is shown as having a unique power to cast out demons and promises that his followers can do the same. Maybe he just had epilepsy. uh, We'll get into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but we'll get into that later, too. Even as far back as 3500 BC, religious priests have been performing rituals on members of their congregation and communities using things such as religious chanting, holy reading, and prayers to combat the evil spirits and get them to flee the bodies they are inhabiting. Over the years, this idea of forcing the demonic presence to leave the possessed person's body became mostly associated with the Christian faith. This act of expelling the demon from the host is, of course, known as what? Exorcism. Exorcism. The word exorcism derives from the Greek word for oath, exousia. As religious studies scholar James R. Lewis explains in his book, Satanism Today, an encyclopedia of religion, folklore, and popular culture, quote, to exorcise thus means something along the lines of placing the possessing spirit under an oath, invoking a higher authority to compel the spirit rather than an actual casting out. This becomes clear when the demonic entity is commanded to leave the person, not by the authority of the priest, but instead, for example, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So I never knew that. I never knew that's mm-hmm. where exorcism came from, mm-hmm. was actually the, the word for oath. No, I didn't either. I would have thought it was, you know, was Latin. For, so for like <laughs> expelling, for expelling yeah. something. I mm-hmm. just, it's kind of weird to me that it's an oath, but I guess I understand it. Yeah. Several historians mention exorcisms taking place publicly as a way to convince people to become Christians. 
They argued that people should convert because the exorcism Christians performed were much more effective than those of pagans and other religions. So, whatever. Elitists. Elitists. But with several of the so-called symptoms for possession, including things like depression, changing moods, or apparent split personalities, comes the notion that mental illness is often mistaken for possession. And that's a big, big one. I mean, that's... Well, and I know that that's one of the first steps when someone claims they're possessed. Yes, yes. Get the mental health check done. According to Timothy C. Thomason, an associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology at Northern Arizona University, quote, The view that supernatural forces can cause and cure illness stretches back to furthest antiquity. Exorcism is one form of supernatural healing. Since the ancient Babylonians and Egyptians, the mentally abnormal have been treated with techniques like the laying on of hands, music, and herbs, and a ritual of exorcism. In fact, spiritual and religious practices such as exorcism, faith healing, prayers, charms, amulets, and similar methods have been the most common treatments for mental illness throughout human history. Between the years 200 and 1700, almost all mental disorders were understood in terms of demonic possession. And even today, spirit possession is one of the most common explanations of problems throughout the world. Hmm. So there was always this tying in between mental issues and possession, whether or not it's one of them being diagnosed wrongly as the other, but there is always a tie-in, and that's what makes it really hard to tell if it's a legitimate paranormal mm-hmm. experience or mental health issue. or it's a mental health issue. <laughs> right. I think that's where the sort of para, quote-unquote paranormal um, occurrences play into that, yes. right? Yes, yeah. I mean, if you have things going on that you can't physically explain, right. lights going on and off and stuff. People as levitating, opposed, you know. As opposed to somebody changing their personality or being depressed, right. you know. Or just acting really yeah. erratic. Yeah. yeah. According to a December 31st, 2014 article in Psychology Today, quote, an interesting study by Nunier, Pfeiffer, Schauer, Kaiser, Odenwald, and others, that I'm assuming they're all researchers, sure. <laughs> investigated the prevalence of, quote, sen, C-E-N, a local variant of spirit possession in youths aged between 12 and 25 years old in war-affected regions of northern Uganda. They compared youths who had been abducted and forced to fight as child soldiers in the so-called Lord's Resistance Army, a group that has long waged a brutal campaign to overthrow the government of Uganda with youths who had never been abducted. So they're doing a, a study on these kids that have... Clearly been through some trauma. Yeah, clearly been through some trauma and how it relates to the idea of the sen, of the spirit possession. Okay. Sen is a form of spirit possession where the ghost of a deceased person visits the affected individual and replaces his or her identity. The researchers reported that spirit possession was significantly higher in former abducted child soldiers than in non-abductees. They also found that reports of spirit possession were related to trauma exposure, such as sexual assault or being forced to kill, to psychological distress, and to higher rates of suicide and post-traumatic stress disorder. The researchers concluded that in many areas of the world where beliefs about spirit possession are widely held, such beliefs are a standard consequence of psychological trauma and may be a way of explaining the disassociative symptoms that often accompany intense traumatic experiences. And I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If if you're traumatized to that point and you're 
you have this belief in your head about possession possession that that is how you're going to rationalize the stuff going on in your head mm-hmm. you could argue though that having been through something like that and being emotionally could open you up yeah to, to, weak yeah it could make you spiritually weak. weak yeah and that's that's the thing with all this stuff is that it's really hard to it's a fine line it's a very fine line between mental illness and possession uh you know, we'll get into this later, but there's some cases where some people say, oh, yeah, that was clearly possession, while other people say, no, that was clearly not possession. She had mental illness. Or both. So, yeah. So, it's really hard I to... I imagine that it would drive you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I, literally. So, it's very difficult to differentiate, not, not differentiate, but to come up with a solid conclusion, say, right. no, that's possession. Bridging the gap between mental illness and possession are people like Dr. Richard Gallagher, an Ivy League-educated, board-certified psychiatrist who teaches at Columbia University and at New York Medical College. According to an August 4, 2017 article on CNN about Dr. Gallagher, quote, Fighting Satan's minions wasn't part of Gallagher's career plan when he was studying medicine at Yale. He knew about biblical accounts of demonic possession, but thought they were an ancient culture's attempt to grapple with mental disorders like epilepsy. He proudly calls himself a man of science. Yet today, Gallagher has become something else. He's become the go-to guy for a sprawling network of exorcists in the United States. He says that demonic possession is real. He's seen the evidence. Victims suddenly speaking perfect Latin, sacred objects flying off shelves, people displaying hidden knowledge or secrets about people that they could not have possibly known. He says of one possessed woman, quote, She knew how individuals she's never known had died, including my mother and her fatal case of ovarian cancer. Six people later vouched to me that, during her exorcisms, they heard her speaking multiple languages, including Latin, completely unfamiliar to her outside of her trances. This was not psychosis. It is what I can only describe as a paranormal event. I'd like to point out, however, that epilepsy is not a mental disorder. It's a neurological disorder. There's a huge difference between those two things. Yep. Gallagher calls himself a consultant on demonic positions. Positions. (laughs) 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 Gallagher calls himself a consultant on demonic possessions. For the past 25 years, he has helped clergy distinguish between mental illness and what he calls the real thing. He estimates that he's seen more cases of possession than any other physician in the world. Possession, he says, is rare, but it is real. I spend more time convincing people that they're not possessed than they are, he wrote an essay for the Washington Post. So he says that it, it is real, but it's rare. it's rare, which I could kind of totally mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. But this this, again, is that fine line between trying to figure out if somebody's having mental problems or if they are possessed. But just as mental illness can sometimes be mistaken for possession, actual possession can sometimes be mistaken for mental illness. Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, a psychiatrist who specializes in schizophrenia and the director of the New York State Psychiatric Institute, had an experience with a patient. He says that he and the family therapist were asked to examine a young woman who was thought to be possessed. He and his colleague tried to treat the woman for several months but gave up because they had no success. Then... After sessions with the woman, he says he'd go home in the evenings and the lights in his house would go on and off by themselves, photographs and artwork would fall off the shelves, and he'd experience a strange, piercing headache. When he mentioned this to his colleague one day, her response stunned him. She'd been having the same exact experiences. Hmm. 
Quote, I had to sort of admit that I didn't really know what was going on, Lieberman says. Because of the bizarre things that occurred, I wouldn't say that demonic possession is impossible or rule it out, although I have very limited empirical evidence to verify its existence. Hmm. So that's a case where somebody thinks that it's a mental illness, but from stuff that's happening, it sounds more like a kind of demonic possession. Right. So it's just really hard to to say what's what. And this guy, is he's a, what is he? A psychiatrist who specializes in schizophrenia, and he's the director of the New York State Psychiatric Institute, so he knows his stuff. You know, and the fact yeah. that this stuff was happening to him at home, the lights going on and off, the pictures falling off the wall, and it was happening to the, to the family therapist that was at these, exor- or not exorcisms, but at these sessions too, At what is point really does strange. he bring in a priest, like the expert on possession? Yeah, I don't know, because they, they thought that this this woman was just mentally disturbed and right. and then they realize that she kind of wasn't hmm. and that's when you would kind of bring in i would look at bringing <laughs> in an exorcist most of what people know today of exorcisms and exorcists comes from what do you think movies the movie the exorcist i mean that was a huge thing in the 70s yeah, big deal the movie tapped into something in people's psyche and the idea of possessions and exorcisms went totally mainstream like everything was just possession possession mm-hmm. possession Beginning sometime in the early Middle Ages, specific priests were uniquely trained and sanctioned for exorcism. This remains the case today in Roman Catholicism, while Eastern Orthodox traditions allow all priests to perform exorcisms. The Vatican first issued official guidelines on exorcism in 1614 and then revised them in 1999. The rite of exorcism was first published in 1614 by Pope Paul V to quell a trend of laypeople and priests hastily performing exorcisms on people they just figured were possessed, such as victims of the bubonic plague. Oh, boy. Reverend Mike Driscoll, author of Demons, Deliverance, Discernment, Separating Fact from Fiction About the Spirit World, says, quote, A line in the right says that the exorcist should be careful to distinguish between demonic possession and melancholy, which was a catch-all for mental illness, Driscoll says. The church knew back then that there were mental problems. It said that the exorcist should not have anything to do with medicine. Leave that to the doctors. So even back then, they realized that there was not everything was demonic possession. Right. According to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, major signs of demonic possession include superhuman strength, aversion to holy water, the ability to speak in unknown languages, and violently negative reaction to prayer. Other potential signs of demonic possession include unnatural body movements and contortions, and that's a big one. You mm-hmm. see that in horror movies a lot. All the time. Yeah. Yep. The exorcism of Emily yeah. Rose yeah. is what comes or to mind. Or the exorcist when she does the spire walk down the stairs. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So yeah, unnatural body movements and contortions, sudden voice changes, spitting, vomiting up strange objects such as nails, pieces of wood, or shards of glass. And now these last three. Uh, You know how sometimes you check out WebMD and you see some symptoms and you're like, oh my God, I totally got this disease. Yeah, I have cancer. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Okay. The next three signs of possession include cursing, unusually foul-smelling gas, and, quote, excessive (laughs) masturbation. So (laughs) it's not so much possession as it is a night in my apartment. (laughs) So, yeah, that's according to the... A lot of of sites have different symptoms of what what demonic possession is, but this shows up on a lot of them. Hmm. But the excessive masturbation one was kind of funny because it's like, what's excessive? You know. Are they 13? I mean, (laughs) you know know what I mean? I don't know. 
you know, maybe like a, a f- someone who eats a lot of Taco Bell and is like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, those are signs of demonic possession. Okay. And then a lot, a lot of people like this. I posted this on my actual personal Facebook. Uh, I posted it on my wall, not on the strangers. Okay. But I was looking at the Job Monkey website, which actually <laughs> lists exorcist jobs. And the Job Monkey site says, quote, Whenever someone claims they are possessed by the devil, a qualified Roman Catholic priest investigates the situation. The investigation determines if the person is truly possessed. Signs of diabolical possession include speaking in languages they never learned, showing unnatural physical strength, knowing things that they should not know, changing their voice, and being violent towards God and other religious references and relics. Exorcists work alongside doctors and psychiatrists to determine if the problem is a mental illness or a true case of possession. The Catholic Church claims that there are very few cases that actually require a proper exorcism. If an exorcism is necessary, the Roman Catholic priest then contacts a bishop to schedule the exorcism. There are only a few hundred Roman Catholic-approved exorcists in the entire world who can perform this ritual. These elite exorcists visit the possessed at their residence to perform the exorcism. Dressed in a cassock, surplice, and violet stole, the exorcist recites the rites of exorcism in front of witnesses touched with holy water. The goal is to drive the evil spirits from the body it inhabits. With a bit of cooperation, a touch of patience, and a true devotion to God, exorcists are usually successful at extricating the demons. To be an official Vatican-approved exorcist, you must be a Roman Catholic priest. This requires earning a bachelor's degree, attending seminary school, and then becoming ordained. Many exorcists receive no formal training, but a recent push by the Vatican is changing this. Now, aspiring exorcists can attend the oh boy, Pontifical Athenaeum Regina Apostolorum. This is the educational institution of the Catholic Church which offers, ca- which offers classes on exorcism. These courses are designed to increase the number of officially trained exorcists. More exorcists are needed to battle the increase of Satan worship and cases of possession, but also to compete with unofficial exorcists. Exorcists for the Roman Catholic Church will make a typical priest salary of $35,000 to $50,000 per year. It's not a lot of money for fighting demons. The devil and whatnot. Yeah. Exorcists are trained to notice the difference between mental illness and actual demonic possession. They are trained in the recognition of possession and its signs. According to a November 29th, 2018 article on exemplar.com called, quote, signs and stages of a demonic possession, there are said to be three stages to an actual demonic possession. While not every possession is the same and there is some overlap between the stages, there are usually distinct features in each stage. Stage one of demonic possession is manifestation and infestation. This can affect anything, houses, forest, cars, and even a doll. You name it, infestation can take place within it. I thought that was interesting that it can go into a non-human body Mm -hmm. in order to figure out what it wants to do. That kind of surprised me. Think of it as a form of haunting with the express idea of the demon introducing itself to the intended target through surreptitious means. That could mean pretending to be the ghost of a lost little girl or a dead relative, or even coming in through a Ouija board session or a seance with the express purpose of breaking down your resistance. And you have to invite it in, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Technically, yeah. But, you know, like... Uh, it can trick you into It can trick that. you into, into sure. taking it in. The demon is seeking approval at this stage, approval to stay. It almost needs permission to begin to reveal its true self. 
It will slowly increase in tempo as the demon gains strength as the chosen individual loses their strength. Stage two is oppression. This is where the entity makes its true identity known and moves into full attack mode. This can be physical, mental, or psychological in nature and is designed to break the affected person's will to live. Sleep deprivation, increased paranormal activity, bites, scratches, and even sexual assaults may take place. At this point, the victim may call in a psychic or a paranormal investigation group. This can be dangerous if they do not know what they are dealing with and will often make things worse. And our sound clip kind of sounds like... Maybe that's what was going on there. Hmm. I don't know. Depression is often a symptom at this stage. As the will and faith of the individual is reaching a breaking point, the demonic entity will move into the third and final stage, which is full possession. And that is stage number three, full possession. In this final and most dangerous stage, the demon now has sufficient power and hold over the individual to close the deal, so to speak. Typically, the person affected will have little to no self-worth, will, or faith left. The evil entity will be in control more often than not, and the influence may well be hearing voices telling them to harm others or to harm themselves. Manipulation is at an all-time high, and the very soul of the individual is at stake. In the worst of these cases, the demon may even have control of the host's body like a parasite, which is really the base level of what a demon is. The demon's goal at this point is to drive the host to suicide and to take as many people with them on the way as it can, thus condemning their soul and souls to an eternity in hell. That's delightful. Yeah. Those are the stages that uh, exorcists are trained to recognize. Okay. And it sounds like they become really good at knowing what stage is going on in a demonic possession. Mm-hmm. The International Association of Exorcists is a Roman Catholic organization which was founded in 1990 by six priests, including the world-famous exorcist of Rome, Father Gabriel Amorth, and Father Jeremy Davies. Father Amorth began the organization in the hopes of increasing the number of official exorcists worldwide and to alert more dioceses about the problem, which he believes have been ignored or suppressed by some priests, bishops, and higher-ups in the church. By the year 2000, there were over 200 members who meet biannually in Rome. The association sends out a quarterly newsletter where members are kept up to date on exorcism news, can write about particularly interesting or difficult cases, and can discuss tricks of the trade. One of the main figures of this association is Father Vincent Lampert, a man who lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, and has taken part in over 40 exorcisms. Wow. Yeah. If we take the USA as an example, 10 years ago there were 12 officially sanctioned exorcists and now there are over 50. One researcher believes that there, quote, are at least five or 600 evangelical exorcism ministries in operation around the world today and possibly two or three times that many. Hmm. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's not a whole lot of officially sanctioned exorcists, but there's a whole lot of... People still doing people it. People <laughs> still doing it, yeah, basically. Hmm. However, with the increase of both licensed and non-licensed exorcists comes risks. An article titled, quote, Exorcists are back and people are getting hurt in the March 6, 2018 issue of The Guardian states, The Vatican has just set up a new exorcism training course following an alleged increase in demonic possession. According to the Sicilian priest and exorcist Benio Palila, speaking on Vatican Radio, there are half a million cases reported in Italy yearly, and demand for assistance has tripled. Palila lays the blame on people who visit fortune tellers or tarot readers. These practices open the door to the devil and to possession, and also can cause suggestible people to become convinced that everything that happens is due to possession. Recent UK government statistics suggest that almost 1,500 child abuse cases a year are linked to notions of witchcraft or demonic possession. And that's just crazy. That's messed up. Yeah. 
And here are some examples of this. You know, it's like a, a fine line where people hear, you know, they increase the number of exorcists and people's awareness of demonic possession, but then people who might be unhinged in the first place start to become convinced that everything that is happening to somebody is demonic possession. Right. And here's a couple uh, cases that were in the news. On February 1st, 2008, in Odessa, Texas, 59-year-old Susan K. Clark's husband, Jan Clark, was performing an exorcism on his wife by wrapping her up in a blanket and pinning her to the bathroom floor where she ended up suffocating to death. When police got a tip from one of Jan's friends, they entered the house and found Susan's body wrapped in a blanket with a cross and sword on top of it. Clark said he was trying to perform an exorcism when a demon then entered his body, leaving her to die. Another case is Charity Miranda Martin. Charity Miranda Martin was a depressed 17-year-old, which really isn't too unusual for a teenager. Her family, on the other hand, believed that this was a sign of demonic possession. On January 18, 1997, at their home in Sayville, New York, Charity's family, which consisted of her mother and two sisters, performed an exorcism. Over the course of seven and a half hours, they tried to drive the demon out of her body. The mother then sent the youngest daughter, who was 15 at the time, out of the room and tried to smother the demons out of charity. First, she used a pillow, which failed to work, so she got a plastic bag and smothered the 17-year-old girl to death. After Charity died, the mother and two sisters all joined hands and listened to a Frank Sinatra record because it was a favorite of Charity's grandfather who had passed away a week earlier. Then they prayed over the body and read passages from Revelations. So, yeah. In another case, in April of 1997, five-year-old Amy Burney was found dead. It later came out that her mom and her grandmother thought the girl was possessed by demons, so they made the girl drink a mixture of ammonia, pepper, vinegar, and olive oil, then taped her mouth shut. Oh, my God. The girl died, and they threw her dead body in the garbage. That's horrifying. That is. And it, it's, it happens a lot. Oh, I mean, my God, that's horrifying. There was even a... Who was the girl that drowned her kids? Andrea Yates? Which from one? A, There's a yeah, couple of them. That there, there was talk of possession, that believing mm. that there was possession going on in that case. So it's scary. I mean, it it can cause somebody who's already unhinged to do these kinds of things to people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, it's just as bad as demonic possession is, right. you know, what they're doing. And this whole thing brings us to one of the most famous cases of exorcism and possession and who do you think that is? Well, the boy that the movie The Exorcist was that based comes later. on. That comes oh, later. Come on. Who's the other one? Uh, I don't know. Annalise oh, Mikkel sure. or Annalise Michael. I've seen them both ways, but I think it's Annalise Mikkel. Yeah. She inspired uh, her. The pictures her, of her, her are horrifying. The, but the thing is, like the pictures of her before that, she is really, really pretty. Yeah. She's like a really beautiful girl, but the pictures during The Exorcism are just like nightmare inducing. Yeah, They're just absolutely. horrible. Yeah. But uh, I think that's what the exorcism of Emily Rose was based on. Yep. Uh, The Annalise McKell situation inspired the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) I did do, I covered (laughs) this in our episode. You did. So Annalise McKell grew up devoutly Catholic in Bavaria, West Germany in the 1960s, where she attended mass twice a week. When Annalise was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and began walking around in a dazed manner. Though Annalise did not remember the event, her friends and family said it seemed like she was in a trance-like state. A year later, Annalise experienced a similar occurrence where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body also went through a series of convulsions, causing her body to shake uncontrollably. 
After this second incident, Annalise visited a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that causes seizures, loss of memory, visual and auditory hallucinations. So Mm -hmm. that's... Even staring off into space for a little bit, that's a seizure. Yep. Temporal lobe epilepsy can also called Geschwin syndrome, a disorder marked by hyper-religiosity. And I actually last night read a lot about that, hmm. and it's really fascinating. Hyper-religiosity, hyper, I think that's how it's pronounced. Hyper-religiosity is a psychiatric disturbance in which a person experiences intense religious beliefs or experience that interfere with normal functioning. Hyper-religiosity, hyper Religiosity. Hyper-religiosity generally includes abnormal beliefs and a focus on religious content and may also include religious hallucinations. And that's what this Geschwin syndrome is, and that's a big part of temporal lobe epilepsy. After her diagnosis, Annalise began taking medication for her epilepsy and enrolled in the University of Würzburg in 1973. However, the drug she was given failed to help her, and as the year progressed, her condition began to deteriorate. Although she was still taking her medication, Annalise began to believe that she was possessed by a demon and she needed to find a solution outside of medicine. And that's kind of tied in with the Geschwin syndrome where mm-hmm. you're starting to think it's a religious situation. Well, she was it's... already a devout Catholic, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. She began to see the face of the devil wherever she went and she said she heard demons whispering in her ears. When she heard demons telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell while she was praying, she concluded that the devil must be possessing her. Annalise sought out priests to help her with her possession, but all the clergy she approached rejected her requests. Believing she was possessed, she constantly tore the clothes off of her body, compulsively performed up to 400 squats a day, and crawled under a table and barked like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off a dead bird, and licked her own urine up from the floor. So... Yeah. Something's not right there. No. Finally, her and her mother found a priest, Ernst Alt, who believed in her possession. He stated that, quote, she didn't look like an epileptic in later court documents. Oh, well. That's like that sounds du- super official. That's the dumbest thing to say. <laughs> she didn't look like an epileptic. Over the next 10 months, following the bishop's approval of Annalise's exorcism, Alt and a local priest named Arnold Renz conducted 67 exorcisms, lasting up to four hours each, on the young woman. Through these sessions, Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by five demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Adolf Hitler, and Nero. She ended up breaking the bones and ripping the tendons in her knees from continually squatting and kneeling in prayer. Over these 10 months, Annalise was frequently restrained so the priest could conduct exorcism rites. She slowly stopped eating, and she eventually died of malnutrition and dehydration on July 1st, 1976. After her death, Annalise's story became a national sensation in Germany after her parents and the two priests who conducted the exorcism were charged with negligent homicide. They came before the court and even used a recording of the exorcism to try to justify their actions. The two priests were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sentenced to six months in jail, which was later suspended, and three years of probation. Hmm. And have you heard like the audio of... No, I don't think so. Yeah, I've I've listened to the audio of her exorcism, assuming that it's the actual audio. You never know. And yeah, it's just, it's creepy. I mean, it's really creepy. But there, the thing is that there are people, this is one of those things where there's a lot of people that say, no, it was epilepsy. And there are a lot of people that say, no, it was demonic possession. Hmm. And I, I tend to, to go towards epilepsy. I really think... I don't see any 
superhuman strength. No, no, or... and everything with her being being diagnosed with with uh, temporal lobe epilepsy, right. all that stuff just fits. And I, it does. But there's a lot of websites that I looked at that said this was a true case of demonic possession, and I don't think it was. But the pictures, I mean, if you if you're curious, yeah. Google google yeah, her it's name you'll sad. It's yeah very there's sad. yeah but like i said she's so pretty in that mm-hmm. one picture where she's just a normal girl you and know then but then to see a skeleton with skin yeah and that, those pictures are just dark. horrifying yeah yeah just okay. horrifying another well-known case of possession in 1906 clara germana selle was a christian student at saint michael's mission in south africa when she was 16 clara and the people around her began to notice that something was wrong Clara later revealed to her priest and exorcist, Father Horner Erasmus, that all of this started to happen after she prayed to Satan and made a pact with him. Don't do that. Yeah, bad idea. Yeah, don't do that. Shortly after forming her pact with the devil, an account written by a nun stated that Clara was suddenly able to speak languages of which she had no previous knowledge. This fact was also witnessed by others who recorded that she, quote, understood Polish, German, French, and all other languages. Clara demonstrated clairvoyance by revealing the most intimate secrets and transgressions of people which whom, with whom she had had no contact before. Clara could also not bear the presence of blessed objects and seemed imbued with extraordinary strength and ferocity, often throwing nuns across the convent rooms and beating them up. Well, that's a little bit more on the possession side. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like there's. it's really hard to explain someone just suddenly speaking yeah. fluently a language Latin. they've never <laughs> heard before. Speaking fluent Latin. Nuns also reported that the girl would growl and cry out in a strange manner that astonished those around her. In regards to the girl's voice, an attending nun even wrote, quote, No animal had ever made such sounds, neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times, it sounded like a veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir. Clara, according to several witnesses, was said to have levitated five feet in the air, sometimes vertically and sometimes horizontally, but when sprinkled with holy water, she would temporarily come out of her possessed state. Two Roman Catholic priests, Reverend Mansuti and Reverend Erasmus, were appointed to perform an exorcism on Clara. The exorcism lasted for two days. During the exorcism, Clara's first action was to knock the Bible out of the priest's hand, grab his stole, and attempt to choke him with it. It's reported that over 170 people witnessed her levitating as the priest read scripture throughout the exorcism. At the end of the two days, it was said that the demon was forced out, Clara was healed, and went on to lead a normal life. To me, that's... That sounds possession. That's possession. Possession-y. That's, that's very... That, that, very possession That smells possession-y to me. It really does. <laughs> I like, mean, it has all of the hallmarks, Yeah, you know? Annalise, I don't think, was no. demonic possession. I think, I think that, was that was just illness. a tragic situation right but clara stuff was a little different i think clara's was superhuman was, strength yeah speaking, violent speaking languages that she didn't know right throwing nuns around the room like they're <laughs> frisbees right. you know so and the, the growling and all that stuff so i kind of buy that one i kind of think yeah, that was one of the major ones and finally the case that inspired one of the biggest horror movies of all times the exorcist in the late 1940s in suburban washington dc a family's 13-year-old son, believed to have been named Roland and later referred to in the literature as Roland Doe, among other names, was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet, a spiritualist who taught him many things, including how to use the Ouija board. In early January 1949, shortly after Harriet's death, Roland began to experience strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. 
Water dripped inexplicably from pipes and walls. The most troubling thing was that his mattress would violently and suddenly move. Father Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February of 1949. However, Hughes stopped the right when Roland broke a piece of spring off the mattress that he'd been strapped down to and lashed the priest across his shoulders with the spring. So, yeah, not good. A few days later, red scratches appeared on the boy. One of the scratches formed the word Lewis, which indicated to Roland's mother that the family needed to go to St. Louis, where the family had relatives, in order to find a way to save their son. A cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University at the time of Roland's struggles. She put the family in touch with Father Walter Halloran and Reverend William Bowden. After consulting with the university's president, these two priests agreed to perform an exorcism on young Roland with the help of several assistants. The men gathered at the residence on Roanoke Drive in early March of 1949. There, the exorcist witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress shaking violently. These were the same types of things that happened in Maryland when the first exorcism failed. During these bizarre happenings, Bowdern and Halloran, according to their reports, noticed a pattern in Roland's behavior. He was calm and normal during the day, but at night, after settling in for bed, he would exhibit strange behavior, including screaming and wild outbursts. Roland would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priest also saw mysteriously flying objects in the boy's presence and noted that he would react violently when he saw any religious objects shown to him by the priests. At one point during the weeks-long ordeal, Bodern saw an X appear in scratches on Roland's chest, which the priest believed signified the number 10. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down towards his ankle. These types of things happened every night for more than a month, and everyone witnessing the events believed that Roland was possessed by ten demons. Wow. The two priests never gave up as they continued the exorcism night after night. On the evening of March 20th, Roland urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at the priests. Roland's parents have had enough. They took him to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatment. On Monday, April 18th, Roland awoke with seizures. He yelled at the priest, saying that Satan would always be with him. The priest laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries on the boy. At 10.45 that evening, the priest called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Roland's soul. Seven minutes later, Roland came out of his trance and simply said two words, He's gone. The boy recounted how he had a vision of St. Michael vanquishing Satan on a great battlefield. There were no more documented instances of strange occurrences or behavior after that. Following the exorcism, his family moved back to the East Coast. Sources say that Roland found a wife, started a family, and everything was fine. He named his first son Michael after the saint believed to have saved his soul. If Roland is still alive today, he would be in his 80s. Some sites online give his last name, but nobody is really 100% sure if that's the correct name, and the dude just wants to be left alone. Well, yeah, I'm You know, sure. he doesn't want this dredged up again. I wonder if that's why when they made the movie, they changed it, changed it to yeah, a girl. Yeah. No one would have ever known about the exorcism of Roland if not for an article in the Washington Post, which appeared in late 1949, saying that priests had indeed performed an exorcism. Then, in 1971, an author by the name of William Peter Blatty released the best-selling novel The Exorcist based on the unofficial diaries kept by the priests Halloran and Bodern. The book stayed on the bestseller list for 54 weeks, and it spawned the hit movie in 1973. Speaking of the movie... A lot of crazy things happened 
during the making oh, yeah. of that movie. Yeah, I plan on. I didn't really want to get too much into the movie in this one an because because uh, I think Dash said we should do one about like uh, the, the poltergeist, poltergeist yep. curse that we should do a whole episode about movie curses. That'd so it's awesome. kind of why I didn't want to go too deep into it. Too deep into the Exorcist, but I've also never seen the Exorcist. <gasps> I've never I think seen. I knew this. Yeah, I'm I still just shocked. there's something about the movie that freaks me out that I don't want to watch it. You know, yeah, it's freaky. Yeah, there's like you have weird, to remember there's though, like weird things in there, the like the, the face that flashes on the screen every now and then that yeah. was kind of a subliminal message back in the day. But there was something about the movie that always just freaked me out, so I've never wanted to see the movie. I've seen, I never saw the second one because I heard the second one sucks. I'd but the sure third one, the one. Exorcist Three, I think is a really that came out recently. No, that's it came Recent-ish. out well like in the eighties, eighties. Oh no, there's newer ones. It, yeah, but there, the Exorcist Part Three is a really, really underrated movie because mm-hmm. that was actually a really decent movie well then you and have that's to still see the first that still one. is voted as having one of the best jump scares of huh. any horror movie in history they, I, there was some show i was watching about horror movies and that was on there as like the number one jump scare in a mm. movie and uh but it's just it's actually a really good movie it doesn't really tie into the exorcist too much they kind of had to force it to oh. but i know you and i watched the exorcist fox tv show yeah well it, i didn't i didn't finish it but oh, I, it was really good was it, it was good? it was a really good show i think you should watch the movie though you have to keep if, it, when we do an be, episode on the exorcist i will watch the watch movie it. yeah of course it's going to be creepy but i also find that when i rewatch movies that i haven't seen in you know 15 20 years they're not as scary as i remember them yeah. being because yep. they were much more new and cutting edge when they yeah. first came out and they're kind of yeah like her head spinning around is yeah really it's a little bit anymore. hokey yeah i think it's more the idea of what's going on that's scarier yep so there was, wasn't there like a prequel that came out though that was in the last 15 years probably like that? because okay. that sounds really familiar but it's like the Poltergeist movies. They, they keep putting out like new straight to Nothing DVD. will beat the original. I've never seen the original Poltergeist either. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I knew that. I didn't know that. I yeah. have it. I'm going to give it to you and you're going to watch it for Halloween or something. <laughs> it's just so good. It's yeah. Steven Spielberg. Come on. I'll watch both of those when we have that episode. Okay. How about that? Perfect. But yeah, that's really all I have. That is exorcism and possession. And uh, so now, what do you think? Is Freaky it? Is it? Is it again a legit thing? <laughs> again, it's that thing. I was raised Catholic, private Catholic school. I, you know, the whole works. Um, they, I don't remember them talking about. I, I don't know if it was Roman Catholic. I, I'm not sure. I know the difference between Catholic. I don't and really Roman either. Catholic. I don't really either. Um, but it's that thing that. I'm not sure it exists, but it terrifies me enough that I know I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. That's my feeling yeah. on possession. Yep. I, I honestly do think it exists, but I think that for every one genuine instance, there's 15 to 20 that are fake. Right. So I think it's a really rare thing to have an actual... Possession. When Zach yeah. Bagans is getting possessed on Ghost Adventures, that's not... <laughs> every other episode. Yeah, that's that's not what i am including in the so one silly. actual instance yeah you know uh if that sound clip we played is genuine i think that's a genuine but i feel like that's almost more of a momentary right. possession that's not like after. a lingering possession but you don't know i mean right. we i don't, don't know, know anything. we don't know anything about that, that about that clip <laughs> exactly other than it scared the crap out of us mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's a legitimate thing, but it's just such a fine line and it's such a dangerous line to mm-hmm. think somebody is possessed that actually has mental illness or to think somebody has mental illness when they're actually possessed. So it's a really, really complicated situation. 
It's one of those things that I don't even really like to think about a whole lot no. because I feel like I, I don't want to ever open myself up. No, to but you and like I have that. talked about this on here that you and I have like this weird clamp on our mind that yeah. I, I literally do not think anything could possess me. Mm-hmm. I really don't because of the way that my mind is boxed right. to not let anything in. You know, other than that margarita, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think it's a legitimate thing. I just don't think it happens often. I guess. But like you, I don't, it scares me to think about somebody I know being possessed. Yeah. You know, or to see a change in somebody and wonder to if that's happening. To not know what's behind it. Yeah. To see someone yeah. looking at you and not know what's behind that One gaze. thing that I could not, f- that I looked for online, but I could not find any concrete answer that I have always been curious about is what happens to you, your person, your core personality when you're possessed. Is it pushed to the back? I think so. Somehow, yeah. or is because it like, is it like over, you know, like when you play a recording over another recording, it's erased? No, you know, I it's don't like, think are so. you aware that you're possessed? I think are so. You, I don't know. I, From the stories I've read about, and, and they even do that during exorcisms, they try to plead with the person to fight. Yeah. I know that's you can true. hear me. That's true. Fight your way out. Don't let that, you know, and, and they the you know stories i've read where the people come out of the possession or they're you know have been exercised they remember a lot of what happened yeah and not having control and that's true but then i just have such a heart i'm just skeptical about so many of the accounts that i've read where mm-hmm. a lot of the accounts you can tell it's somebody just trolling just sure. saying oh, i'm gonna throw this on the internet and say this happened to me so it's just hard but i just could not find a concrete answer but that makes sense what you said i mean that- i could also buy that somebody who was possessed and then it w- was exercised was kind of left just a shell of a person and maybe is you know that would be in horrible. a vegetative state you know i could see that as a possibility that's a really sc- a real that's thing. a really creepy thought yeah yikes so well, on yeah that note yeah <laughs> uh. What do what our listeners So, like? yeah, and we'll end on this note. Uh, according to stuff that I read online, demons have become smarter over the years. Now they pick people, like more loner kind of people. They oh, pick sure. people who don't have a large social network and aren't active in a lot of online social networks. And, you know, they become smarter. They don't do like the shouting in Latin stuff anymore. It's become way more subtle. And they try to find people that don't, have a lot of friends or don't have an online connection, which is another reason why you should join our strangers Facebook group <laughs> in order to prevent nice being possessed. Well played, Kurt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, a lot of that made sense that demons would realize Adapt. we need to tone it down. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to turn it down a notch. No more throwing a pea soup at priests and right. throwing heads, nuns around whatnot. the room. Yeah, to just be more subtle and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, I can totally see that. So. I think that's the case. I think that it might be harder to determine now if somebody's possessed mm-hmm. as opposed to the old days where it was more right. obvious. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think about possession? Yay or nay? Do you know anybody that's ever been possessed? Have you been possessed? If, <laughs> if you're possessed, send us I, I don't mean to laugh. It's just one of those things like I'm sure I'll never meet anyone who's been possessed, you know? At least I think. <laughs> I don't know. You got me wondering now. I... How many people think they were possessed and didn't say anything about it? Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I'm not sure it's something that just goes away. No. I don't think you've ever been possessed. I know I I've never so. been possessed, so I think no. you and I are good. I we're just, good. Everybody we're good. else we got to watch out for. Yep. So let us know what you guys think. Are we going to do some questions? We will do some listener questions right now. Okay. Yeah, the possession stuff is creepy. It's it's It creeps me out to like research it and read it, but... 
you know, it's just like reading. I read, I only had three cases in here where people died because of exorcism, but there were so many that I read that it's just like, you know, that's scarier than the thought of a demon actually possessing mm-hmm. somebody. People are scarier than people anything. People are scarier than anything. So we will go on to listener questions. And our first question, I know who it's from because he says, Okay. Thanks, Dash. <laughs> our first question is Hi, Kurt. Hi, Krista. Love you both. Love you too, Dash. Hi, Dash. Two, it's a two part question. Part number one What is your dream paranormal encounter? And part number two, do you ever actually fantasize about what would happen? Huh. Our, so they're tied together. Yeah. Our dream paranormal encounter. I think that I'm just so, I want, I just want to experience anything I can. Uh, p- people are probably expecting me to say Bigfoot, but I actually think that would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so. And it may not end well. <laughs> so. So that's not your dream paranormal no, see, I I don't think of Bigfoot as paranormal for some reason. To me, Bigfoot is... Normal? Real. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I Flesh know what you're and saying. blood. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, paranormal to me is a haunting. I don't know why. That's just me. It's semantics, whatever. But I want to see a full-bodied apparition and know that you know it's truly a paranormal experience. Yeah. Not like that video of that person stumbling around that building and turning and seeing the guy in the mask. Yeah. I want the real deal. Yeah. And have I imagined what that would be like? Have I fantasized about that? I don't know. No, I I guess not because I I feel like I don't expect that to ever happen. But if it does, it'll just be like the icing on the cake. I don't know. To me, every little thing is exciting. Every little EVP, every yeah, is, every little piece of it, every odd of, feeling I get. Those I love all of that stuff. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I do too. I totally get that. I guess the ultimate for me, I want to see like a, something that I think is maybe a person at first glance, but maybe you can see through them a little bit, or yeah. or they just disappear into thin air. I want to have that visual. Okay, I can't explain that away. Experience. Yeah. Because I feel like even EVPs I've gotten that I'm pretty we can confident, explain away. I could explain yeah. them away if I, I tried know, hard enough. Some of them were pretty good. Some of them were pretty good, though. But you never really know no, for you sure. Don't. You don't. And seeing something with your own eyes. I've seen a half-body apparition. <laughs> I've never... Jim and I, when we were driving I forgot once, about that. Yeah, the legs crossing Crossing the, the road? Just the legs. Yeah. Nothing else. Huh. What about you? Just off the top of my head... You know, tying in a dream paranormal encounter and fantasizing about what would happen. I love the idea of coming face to face with an apparition and communicating with it and helping it move on. Mm. I guess as far as the fantasizing part, that's where it would, that's like the good guy in me coming out and wanting to help this. Mm -hmm. Save the day. Yeah, to save the day and help this person. Save their soul, basically. Save their soul to help them move on to the light. I mean, that's, that's kind of my answers. I would like to do that for somebody i would like to help somebody you know so i don't know that's such a curt answer <laughs> such a curt answer <laughs> it truly is good question dash yeah, thank thanks, you dash. thank you we've got time for one more yeah as always if you have if you want to answer the question Ooh, we only have two more left so <gasps> what yeah so you guys submit some questions step it up, i am gonna people. i'm gonna actually hit some of you up for questions before the next episode because yeah. we are running out of questions another one from dash wow 
Clearly, Dash doesn't need. Nope, to step this one it wasn't up. from Dash. This oh, one was okay. from Anonymous. Anonymous. Spooky. Right. Have you ever seen a UFO? If so, when and where? No. No. Unfortunately, I would love to. I find myself looking up at the sky at night, hoping I'll see something that I can't explain. But no, I haven't. There was one night, and I want to say I was a teenager. I was out walking. I know exactly where I was. I was by, I was in Manitowoc and I was by Lutheran High School. There's a football field there right next to the high school. And I was walking past the football field and I just happened to like look up over the football field and I saw, it's really hard to explain. It was like a triangle shape. Like I want to say like, it wasn't even big. How have you think, never told me this before? Because I, it's just one of those things that I don't know if it was a plane, mm. but imagine something porta potty sized, mm-hmm. triangular with lights at every point. Okay. Like a mini pyramid kind of thing. I saw this thing like floating up into the air for just a couple seconds and then it was gone. Could it have been like a, one of those lanterns people put candles in? No, it wasn't in? a Chinese lantern. No. no. There was nobody there. It was night. The field was That's dark. It's a classic was, shape. It is a classic shape. It was a triangular thing. It had lights at every point. And I looked at this thing for a couple seconds, and then it was gone. Were there three points? I saw three separate points. Okay. But, you know, part of me thinks that was an airplane and that I was seeing it from an odd angle. I suppose. It's too early for drones. They were Yeah. No, this was then. this was... Late eighties. Listen to me right away. Early, I'm trying to explain it. Very <laughs> early nineties, very late eighties, somewhere around there. And I'm looking at this thing, and I saw it go up into the air, and then it was just gone. But it was triangular shaped, and that that to me is the only UFO possible UFO. Well, it is a UFO. You it is a UFO. Not able to identify it, but <laughs> and it was flying. But it's just to me, it's hard now with satellites. I mean, I can right. go lay out. And there's a, there's a viewing platform near the the trail, the nature center. I always. Mm-hmm. you know do my walks on there's a viewing platform that's in the middle of this field and a lot i just i just started doing this last summer but i'll go out there at night when it's dark and just lay there and look up at the sky and it's just because there's no lights out there it's like mm. you can see so much and i can so see amazing. so many satellites or planes or mm-hmm. i see so many lights like going around in the sky that it's just it's hard to tell what's a ufo now and kind of what's not what's a natural thing but right. this was back in the late 80s like i said and it was a triangular shape and it was just for a couple seconds that i saw this thing rise up into the air and then it was gone hmm. and i guess i never told you because it's just like a real minor incident hmm. but if i had ever seen a ufo that was it hmm. you know yeah well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just learned something. Yeah. It's just, it just, it wasn't like a major thing. It was like a, you know, it wasn't like the old dude crawling out of my bathroom. Oh. This was just like a major, for a couple seconds, I saw this thing and I didn't know. Like I said, I thought maybe it was an airplane up high that because of the angle looked right. like a triangle and it went behind a cloud bank. So sure. I've always just kind of rationalized it. But yeah. that is the only thing I can think of that I would say. I would love to see one. I don't, I don't want know. I don't know if I want to see one. The thought, that's, that thought kind of creeps me out. I don't want an encounter of any kind. No. But I would, I would, much I would rather to see it. I would much rather see a ghost than a UFO. For some reason, yeah. a ghost doesn't creep me out as much as a UFO does. Yeah, because who knows what the intention exactly. is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, the, the thought of like me being on, walking in the woods at night and like seeing a legitimate UFO there creeps me out. Yeah. So yeah. As it should. As it should. <laughs> so thank you guys. Very good questions. Yeah. And you have any of our listeners seen a UFO or yeah. what is your ultimate paranormal 
experience or encounter yeah. i would love to hear that too of course one of my ultimate ones is to play around with the bet sphere but well you sure know, everybody knows that <laughs> well now they do <laughs> that i'm gaga over that thing funny but yeah so let us know you guys seen ufos dream paranormal encounters what are they been possessed ever been possessed are you possessed right now yeah if you're possessed give us a give us a email let us know who's <laughs> yeah, possessing you yeah don't call us don't stop by <laughs> but <laughs> so i think that's pretty much it we got to get so. a couple more questions because yeah, we, we have one more question so i'm gonna be hitting some people up for questions this week absolutely and if nothing else i'll make up a couple off right? the top of my head <laughs> yeah hit up but like, it's hard because like there's Rhonda only so many there's only i feel Corey. like so many paranormal questions you can kind of ask well they don't have to be paranormal though no last week was about music yeah so. it was about music and then there was the one we about will kamikaze pilots wearing helmets yeah that was funny so yeah we'll answer anything Anything personal, anything you guys want to ask us, well, feel free. I'm not going to guarantee to answer. It depends on the question. Oh, I'll answer it. You're an open book. I'm, I am an open book. I'm a little more private. Yeah, not me. I throw it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take me as I am, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so from Krista and I. No, you have to give them our information. You even printed oh, yeah, it that's off right. and I even everything. Have it in my, I even have it in my notes now. <laughs> You're Getting funny. all anxious. <laughs> if you would like to email us, our email address is thestrangesessions at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at Strange Session, without the S. Got to change that. Uh, we are active on Instagram at The Strange Sessions. Krista is very good about that. Thank you, Krista. Ish. And if you guys want to send us any, I want to say hard mail, but that's not the word, is it? Fan mail? No. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not email like not Snail virtual mail yes if you guys want to send us i don't know i don't know what hard mail is <laughs> sounds, well sounds like something to have to come in a plain brown wrapper <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you guys want to send us any any snail mail there you go. our p.o box address is the strange sessions p.o box 434 manitowoc wisconsin 54221-0434 Put that all in my notes, and then I even forgot to do it. Good thing I'm here. I know. Thank you for reminding me. I'm your intern for today. You are. You're my temporary intern. (laughs) (laughs) So, from Krista and I, until next time, stay stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.